0: Side of us, you could, you could kind of see the thing moving
1: through the woods. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, and the whole night, this isn't a man. And then this thing walks
2: across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a
1: guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing. Steve and Chris
3: and good evening cyberspace welcome to Squatch TV for today's date January 23rd 2022 I'm your host your guide the Squatch detective Steve Coles along with my very much warmer co-host <laughs> Mr. Chris Bennett Right down there.
0: Yeah, we've been in like in the mid twenties, so it's not really warm here. But compared to what you guys have up there or been having, I guess uh, I feel like I must be living in the tropics.
3: So I'm going to bring Larry Beans Baxter on right now. He is the author of Abandoned, the uh, basically the true story of Portlock, Alaska. Uh, Just sum that up. Uh, (laughs) He he's from Alaska. And what was your temperature a couple of nights ago?
2: uh actually right now i think we're warmer than both of you guys we're in the uh the mid 30s right now we're having a a little bit of a a thaw it's going to get back down in the 20s next week though
3: 20s the two nights ago two nights ago i get up middle of night mike i'm awake i'm gonna sit in the computer i'm gonna look at the news real quick and i look down at my alexa that sits in front of my computer and uh it's one of the video ones uh and the temperature was minus 16
2: degrees <laughs> well it depends on where you're at alaska is such a big state it can be 40 degrees here and it, up in fairbanks it could be negative 60 so yeah it just yeah. depends on where you're at I, I live down in south central on the kenai peninsula it's almost in the banana belt
3: <clears throat> so it, it's just it's amazing that it was like i'm not you know minus four minus five i've seen minus 16 i'm like I didn't want to go out there, not at all. Oh,
0: man. Yeah, any place that uh, if you spill your coffee and it hits the ground as a solid, that's too cold for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was
3: vaping, I'd probably blow the, the vape out and it'd probably come down to snow. Yeah. Uh, I was that sure. cold. It was just... So, well, let's do our usual roll call. Uh, each week we do our roll call and say hi to the folks in the, in the, the group and, and in the chat tonight. <clears throat> and we, we got a full house here tonight. And the first in was earlier today with Sam Deloach. Uh, Brent over at the Tall Ones was in. Thanks. Lance Winger. So, yeah. uh, Alan Henges. Yeah. Uh, Cindy Finn is back. Uh, is of Sandy? course, uh, Jay Birch from Bigfoot Barbecue and Camp Cookbook. Jay. Sharon's in the house. Sure. Uh, well, who else? Let's go down. Uncle Bones. Bigfoot New York Todd. Don Fuller. Don, hello. Don. Uh Going down, down, down. Gary Johnson, hello. Gary. Joe over at Western New York Bigfoot hey, Investigation Joe. Group, hello, Joe. Uh, tw- 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 tw-。Sorry, I got to <laughs> scroll, scroll, in, scroll in, scroll. In, uh, in. There,
0: the chat was hopping. Looks like a lot of yep. people had been yep. in there. Rod Dupree's in, of course. Hey, Mick. Rod. Hey Mike. Mick is in good the house. Say,
3: Lester Taylor, Leon over at Bigfoot Lester. Okanagan.
0: Hey Leon, good. See you. My
3: eyes is in Bonsoir, Bonsoir. Who else? Let's keep on going, uh, Mr. Eyes. I think we've already said hello to uh, Arthur. Watches on, on Arthur? in the town. In town, uh, Grasshopper is in.
4: Grasshopper.
3: Uh, sorry if I am trying not to miss any. Bob Lemley. Bob is in there. Hey, Bob. <laughs> He's like, hey, I made it in on time. Imagine that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're glad.
3: Curry to have you fires Bob. in the house.
0: Curry fire.
3: Uh, Nikki over at Harry Man Hoaxes and Hoodwings. Hey, Nikki. Uh, I Good made to see it. you. <laughs> uh go patty troy welcome patty. patty mike ann is in the house hello mike, mike. from Point research Tag. yeah uh ot ot welcome <laughs> 20s good it's been minus 30 here oh no uh, that's too cold. Oh. uh johnny diggs in the johnny, house good to see you so life is a flyway life is a flyway so boy okay. we got quite the crew in here i just want to hey Rock. Oh, a my kite, God,
0: man. <laughs>
3: Chris from the 40 and slip is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Roll a big one. So good to see you all here. And uh, yeah. we're, we're glad to be back. We took a couple of weeks off. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a work commitment every once in a great while. I, I have to shuffle off and do an overnight at work. Uh, usually that's why we took the summer off. But one of our inventories had gotten postponed till, of course, January. And uh, did that, and uh, then the following week um, was our first real cold day. It only hit, like, minus five, which oh. now is actually kind of warm-sounding to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at midnight, the Internet went out, didn't come back on till like, two o'clock in the afternoon the next day, which would be Sunday. So yeah. it would be. It was like, you know what? I haven't had Internet yeah. all day to set a show up, research. No, you know, I just was like, I'm done. I was busy doing other little projects Because I'm not glued to the computer So, so here we are today And I'm kind of glad we waited today And we got a great guest on tonight And we're going to be talking about a bunch of things uh, First, I I, uh, I want to talk a, a, quick, a real quick thing About a little incident that happened in Danville, Virginia uh, mm. Over the weekend And that was there was an accident Involving a tractor trailer carrying Get this Over 100 monkeys. Oh. (laughs) And four of them escaped. (laughs) Uh, So you can imagine with... with, with, A truckload of
0: monkeys. truckload of monkeys. (laughs) That doesn't even sound believable, Steve. I'm sorry. (laughs) And
3: And they had pictures on the news agencies. They had pictures of one of the monkeys in the tree. And then they said there was a report of a gunshot, so they don't know if they were shooting the monkeys that escaped or why. I'm like, oh, this just sounds like a horrible disaster movie coming up.
4: <laughs> oh,
3: but, um, shoot that thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, oh, we're also joined by Jimbo and, um, um, um. um uh, Frank, I think Frank
0: Smith. I've Angel
3: heard. Nolan, Frank Smith. Angel. And everybody is in. Um, but Good yeah, so, that. so here you have the, you know, a few monkeys still on the loose. I would assume, uh, Gary? the funny thing is, is my, my cousins, uh, had lived in Danville, Georgia for many, many years and they just recently moved out. So not only did I post that, there was comments by my other cousins. Hey, see what you missed.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine just driving down the road, seeing a, seeing a semi, like have an accident, like run off the road. And then all of a sudden just see a bunch of monkeys running away.
0: <laughs> that that would Kind of that's, sound that's, uh, that's beyond me I can't picture it I just really can't That's too unbelievable A truck Semi-truck load Of monkeys
3: You know The only other fun The only other More unbelievable thing Is if If If, if the truck Jackknife To avoid a, a, a van
2: full of nuns <laughs> Then the, the nuns Were fighting the monkeys In the middle of the road <laughs>
4: Yeah <laughs> Yeah the power
3: of Christ compels you.
0: <laughs> ah. Yeah, so. Well, the I'm truth sure can be r- stranger than fiction sometimes, though. So it, it's, it's really yeah, odd. I, yeah, well, I, just I, just
2: I, think, in, in about 25, 30 years, there's going to be some Bigfoot sightings in that area, and somebody's going to say, you know, there was a truckload of, of uh, gorillas that derailed here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Train full of gorillas derailed. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, one
3: one was named Krakow. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, get the 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 bad the bad. Uh, oh, what was that on uh, Johnny Dangerously? The uh, where they would pass the story in the prison one to another, and by the time it got to Johnny Dangerously, he knew automatically what it meant, even though they said nothing like it. That's not what I said. Yeah, but I know this. I know this communication
0: line. You know, <laughs> so. Joe's so killing, get... Joe killing me in chat over He says, I used to have a barrel of monkeys when I was a kid.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, Joe, that's a good question for Joe. Joe Joe does a lot of trucking. Joe, have you ever transported a truck full of monkeys? That'd be pretty interesting.
2: Well, hold on. You said it was in Georgia, right? No, it was in Virginia. Virginia? Oh, those things will be eight by the end of the month. <laughs> Can
3: you imagine the noise, you know, walking by the... Here's the tractor trailer parked at the truck stop. Truck driver's in there getting his piece of pie in the diner, and people walking by the truck the tractor trailer
2: listening to the noises coming from.
3: <laughs> I just,
2: or, I or they'll make their that. way to DC. They'll make their way to DC and nobody'll notice.
3: <laughs> Very yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. next year's election lineup. Ah, <laughs> <clears throat> oh, God. Yeah, it's that not only is it funny, but it, it's uh it's uh, incredibly heaven
0: help them if they had a truckload of monkeys escape here the locals would eat them for sure because they'd be like hey this is the kind of funniest tasting squirrel i've ever eaten <laughs> i call it a squirrel yeah squirrel squirrel oh, that'd be
3: a why squirrel. is excuse me you have squirrel on the menu today why is it in parentheses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have we have a lot to cover tonight uh just so, and we're going to, this is going to, it's not going to be the first time and last time this is up tonight. But Larry is the author of Abandon the History and Horror of Port Chatham, Alaska. Port Chatham is commonly also referred to as Port Lock, I believe. And, um, you know, I like he, that
0: cover photo. That looks like a Bob yeah, Ross painting. That's it's the beautiful. cabin. That is yeah, the that's... one
3: remaining cabin left <clears throat> in Port Lock. There, and, there's
2: actually a, a couple of more up in the which I'm surprised they didn't show those on the show, Alaska Killer Bigfoot, but there's a couple of more cabins up in that wood line there behind it uh but this is the only one this is the one you can see from the water this is the one that you see most of the time when people come into the port lock on, on a boat and they'll snap a picture of that cabin
3: and it almost makes you wonder did they omit those for a particular reason because they wanted to make the woods behind it sound even I, more mysterious
2: i i thought for sure they were saving them for another episode when they were going to discover them like they discovered this cabin. Like you can see it, this cabin in the background when they're pulling their their boat on shore. And one of the guys goes, hey, guys, I found a cabin. I'm like, well, if you would have lifted your head up just a second ago, it would have been right in front of you. But
3: yeah, the, the cabin is seen from the shore.
2: Yeah, I, I really thought they were going to discover those other cabins and they never mentioned them, which I thought was kind of weird. Maybe they're saving those for the, the next season. And the other thing was, is they they kind of pawned it off like they were the first ones to go back. And, yes, uh, that, that was it. the first time. So I watched the first episode twice. And the first time I watched it, uh, one of the guys says, so we're the first people in here in 70 years. And the, uh, the leader of their little group says, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that, uh, that's about the time I started throwing things at my TV. I know you said the first episode <laughs> didn't bother you so bad, but that's, that's about as far as I made it the first episode without having a, almost rage quitting. Well, then, then again, I
3: did not know the history of that area. I came into it cold, and I started learning more, and I uh, even uh, found this picture of a, a Spokane, a Spokane, Washington group in 2018 that had gone in there, and there's the cabin. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure which which particular group that is, but that's well, I, that's me on the right. I thought so.
2: Yeah, and then it's Stephen Major. That's Mary Beth. Uh, the guy in the yellow is. I don't know his real name. They call him Toad, like I'm Beans. He's Toad. And then this is, um, what is his name? It's Mary Beth's uh, boyfriend. Uh, the guy with the shotgun. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> my went. shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we were the first ones in there, uh, to not to film, uh, to film a show basically and look for Bigfoot. Uh, we obviously weren't the first people in there ever. I mean, people go in there to hunt and stuff, but we were the first ones in there, as far as I know, to look for Bigfoot and film a documentary looking for Bigfoot.
0: Should have took a yeah. can of spray paint with you, Larry, and shot on the back of that cabin. You're not first. Uh, Larry Baxter <laughs> was here before you. That's right.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: so, you know, it, it just they, not knowing that, yeah,
3: I, I don't blame you for having road rage, you know, uh, right off the shoot on that uh, that particular uh episode um i'd be mad too if somebody said Oh, i was the first and <laughs> we're the first and no you're not um so yeah um
0: well it's probably all part of the script
3: you know well, yeah they, they need to make it sound rather sensational right and uh in case people are wondering um you know i do have the uh and none of the cast with the exception of uh Uh, Ron Moorhead, who was a guest on one of the episodes, Uh, this is your actual cast of the programming. Uh, uh, The way the the show was set up, and we hate uh, warning ahead, there are going to be some spoilers. Uh, But the way the show was set up was that by, I think, the third or fourth episode, Noah Craig there got too scared and went back home. Um, And he was replaced by uh, Frank Guy Beristoff over there on the far left. And I think by the the 6th or 7th episode, I think there was 10 episodes, I think by the 10th episode, Kyle McDowell had a family emergency and he had to leave. And to tell you the truth, this all sounded quite predictable. I don't know if he really had a family emergency or that was just something they put in the script to make it sound, well, he's our camp security and now now we're out here by ourselves. And mm. uh, just to make it sound more ominous, yeah. Yeah. Um now, am I surprised that a show, uh, you know, somebody had asked, are you surprised that uh, a TV show would make false claims about Sasquatch-related incidents? Well, uh, I don't know if they made uh, false claims about Sasquatch-related incidents in the past. Um, did they have some weird stuff go on with them? I'm probably sure they had some weird stuff, but... Uh, it's just uh, well, we'll get, we'll get into it as we we go along, but uh, you know the fact that you know okay they they say oh we were the first one I can see a scripting you know going into that trying to say that really knowing that's not true, um, but some of the the way things broke down in the show, but we can talk we're we're going to talk about that And we're going to talk about the actual history of Portlock because that's why we brought you know Beans on. So, uh, but just to show, I, I wanted to put these some of these statistics up here. Um, now, I did not use a very scientific uh, rating method. Uh, I just used with the uh, Internet Movie Database had from their viewers uh, ratings, and uh, so the first uh, group is the uh, three of the more recent Bigfoot programs that have been on: uh, Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, Finding Bigfoot, and Expedition Bigfoot. And as you can see, uh, uh, Expedition Bigfoot out of the three is coming in at number one with a 5.5, followed by Alaskan Killer Bigfoot at 5.4, and Finding Bigfoot has really nosedived um, over over the last. Uh, they're they're looking. If you look at the very bottom, the percentages of one ratings, uh, you can see that you know 24% on Killer Bigfoot, 31% on finding Bigfoot in 22.9% on Expedition Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, some very interesting things. You can see U.S. users, uh, like on Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, U.S. User, users call it a 6.1. Non-U.S. users call it a 5.2. Uh, mm-hmm. In retrospect, a 4.0 in finding Bigfoot to a 3.4. So there's not a biggest gap uh, with finding Bigfoot. Uh, But you see also a similar gap, but not quite as large as the Alaskan Killer Bigfoot program, maybe, Uh, with a 5.1 to a 4.6 between U.S. and non-U.S. viewers. Now, the reason why I put those up, I just find these stats kind of rather fascinating, what what is actually. And if you're looking at this is a 5.4 and a 4.1 and a 5.5 out of 10. So you're not talking about huge, huge numbers here you're talking maybe about a 50% approval rating overall. But if you look at at some of the, the upper stats um, if you look uh, you know, 20, you know, if you look at uh, the Alaskan killer, Bigfoot, you know uh, you have 36, 47 uh, about 50% of the people uh, rate that a seven or higher. Uh, So that's not, uh, not all that horrible when you go to finding bigfoot uh you have like a 23 28 uh, 28 and 8 uh you maybe 36% rate that a 7 or higher so that's not great uh uh expedition bigfoot uh same token uh, 32 uh 47 uh and about the same uh, about you know 50% of the people rate expedition bigfoot uh oops there we are uh there we are sorry I'm my my screens are blanking out because of where my cursor is um so yeah I'm so you you have
0: bigfoot no longer king king of the hill
3: no not not by by not at least by ratings uh as far as uh, viewership I don't know uh, I didn't pull those particularly so uh conversely let's look at some of the older programs uh monster yes. quest monster, monster quest. quest coming in at a 7.1 and if you look at that, you have 40, 50, almost 70% of the the, the ratings, view that as seven or higher. 70%. That's a monster number there. Yeah. Um the $10 million Bigfoot bounty, which still rates bigger than finding Bigfoot at a 5.4. But look oh. at the look at the number there. Uh you only have 16, you know, what 18, 21, 25. Only twenty nine percent seven or above, yeah, so I most. I can't if, believe
0: it's it, that good because that, that's yeah. Well, the show. thing
3: is, they have a lot of people in that particular group giving it a four and or a five and a six, oh. um, so and then followed by the big one, of course, which is always seems to be. Now look at the other show, Killing Bigfoot. Uh, not many people have have seen that show. It was aired, but it was not very well received. Yeah. Um, and you look at you know seven and above for 29 percent and obviously this for some reason is actually lower as a, 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 a niche higher than finding Bigfoot
0: and I think purely hmm. um I, I don't know why that is honestly, but honestly you know I watched about 15 minutes of one episode of killing Bigfoot and I wished I could get that time back I really <laughs> do. but but you know
3: never have I seen you know w- which is kind of the amazing thing um, if you look at the finding bigfoot number if you look at the number of ones given to uh finding bigfoot um you know it, it, it's sitting at 31% whereas the ones given to killing bigfoot was the highest at 51% you know another another click up another half a percent and it'll, another tenth of a percent and it'll be 51 and a half almost 52% so you can see that that You know, most of the bigfoot programming is hitting a four and a five. Uh, The exception being Monster Quest, which I'm very proud to say I was on. So, um,
0: my all-time favorite. Yeah.
3: So, uh, of course, different type of programs. And there's one thing I I always uh, like to uh, point out is there's a big difference between a bigfoot television series or a serial type of series, such as a Finding Bigfoot, where every week they're coming back, uh, or um, in fact, Finding Bigfoot really wasn't, I would say, necessarily a serial, Um, and when I say serial, S-E-R-I-A-L, meaning that you can watch each episode independently of one another, uh, whereas shows like Killing Bigfoot, Mountain Monsters, um, uh, Bigfoot Bounty, uh, the Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, uh, even... Not so much Expedition Bigfoot to a certain extent either. They're more compartmentalized. Uh, but uh, like those programs, they need that hook to keep coming people coming back every week. So you see this type of of, of behavior on some of these shows where you got to have a little bit of an exciting end or a buildup to get those people coming back. And, you know, a, a, as my one of my old coaches used to get asses in the seats uh, for the following week. Yeah. So um
0: Man, I just, you know, I lost uh, lost my stomach for watching those uh, dramatized shows. You know, the, the only one of those that I really enjoyed was uh, <clears throat> mountain, mountain Monsters. And, you know, they were, it was no secret that that was for entertainment, you know. Right, exactly. So these other shows, mm-hmm. they try to hide the fact that it's entertainment. Oh, this is really research.
2: I'm sorry. If you look at those ratings, like out of all those shows, other than Monster Quest, Finding Bigfoot was the most honest.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly most realistic but but that's boring yeah and and i well the other thing too is i think it's personality you know there's yeah. a lot of people that that did not like matt they don't like his, his you know i know matt i get along with him fine um now <laughs> but it's just uh it may, it may be a personality thing too you, you know i don't know i don't know why um you know and sometimes uh, there's no doubt to me which has which show had the highest ratings, it was probably Finding Bigfoot. Um, well, it went for like 10 seasons, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Mark Webster out there, hello, Mark, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome, on. Uh, oh, says Beans is my favorite Bigfooter. There you thank go, thank you, sir. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's let's get into this whole Port Lock, uh, Port Chatham thing. Um, so
0: Uh, Steve, you're muted there, bud. I see.
2: Well, I think he's having technical issues, so. I uh, think
0: so, too. <clears throat> so, we're going to talk okay, while, he, while ahead, he figures Vince. that out. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: uh, Tor- Portlock, I'll, I'll give a quick rundown. Portlock is the name of the town.
4: Yeah.
2: And it's located in Port Chatham. Uh, nice. so it's located at the southern tip of the Kenai Peninsula. And pretty much the names Portlock and Port Chatham can be used interchangeably. Uh, When I was researching my book, I got some property records and stuff from the area from uh, back in the uh, 40s and and 30s.
4: Right.
2: And they pretty much use the names interchangeably. I've got like a bill of sale for the pool hall. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, in one section they're calling it Portlock and then Port Chatham. the, The names are pretty much used interchangeably. Right. And, um, it was a town that was founded in the early 1900s <clears throat> and it was, uh, founded. I mean, there's a lot of great fish in here. Uh, Kachemak Bay here is considered the halibut capital of the world. Uh, there's a ton of, uh, fishing charters and fishing, uh, opportunities down here. And, uh, they took advantage of that. You know, there's a lot of natural resources down here. Uh, when, uh, the English came through here in uh, the early 1700s, you know, they, they took, they made note of it. Um, The town is named for captain Nathaniel Portlock, who was an English uh, captain. Uh, He wrote in his logs about how, you know, amazing the area was, how many uh, resources it had. And eventually a town was settled there in the early 1900s. And uh, they built a big uh, cannery there and a sawmill they had a big cold uh, storage facility, which was one of the biggest on the peninsula, and it was a it was a booming town for the time. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a, a lot of employees working at the cannery. They mostly employed the local natives, and uh, for all intents and purposes, it was a good booming fishing village. And then in the nineteen uh, by nineteen fifty, the town was abandoned. Nobody lived there anymore. Uh, they all moved up the coast a little bit to other villages uh, like Nan Port Graham, Soldovia, Homer. And uh, over the years, the place got a bad rap, a bad reputation. They talked about people going missing, people getting murdered. And the Nantanok, which is the local natives version of Bigfoot. Uh, It fits a lot of the same uh, native definitions of Bigfoot. Uh, Big hairy thing, big hairy man. Uh, Sometimes they give it supernatural powers. It's a shapeshifter. Uh, sometimes it it's similar to the Wendigo, where they say uh, uh, it'll it'll call people into the woods and it'll turn into Nantinox. Uh, you know, a lot of the same things you see across a lot of the other na- Native cultures with the same legends, and um, it just it it got a bad reputation. And in uh, 2018. Stephen major contacted me and he said, Hey, I want to go in there and film a documentary. You know, you live nearby, uh, you work in law enforcement. Could you come and, uh, be our security, which I was already into Bigfoot at this time. I always had a lifelong fascination with Bigfoot. And, uh, so I jumped, I jumped at the opportunity to go with him. Uh, I thought it would be a great, uh, opportunity. Plus I wanted to get in there and see, uh, Portlock, Port Chatham. So, uh, we got in there and, uh, filmed our documentary and, you know, we had some interesting things happen. We found some interesting stuff. Uh, it qu- wasn't quite as exciting as Alaskan Killer Bigfoot, but uh, it was it was honest. You know, if we say we heard something, if we saw something, we did. Uh, not a lot of drama, and uh, I'm really proud of it. I think it was uh, it was the first time somebody had been in there specifically with the purpose to look for Bigfoot and to document it. Right, and <clears throat>
3: to be very clear uh according to uh, i caught this on a facebook post i was unable to find it again uh but i'm trying to think about the one gentleman that it was on the uh program uh the survivalist uh ash he posted on his uh uh facebook page that hey you know because I, they were catching a little bit of heat because every time something on the program would happen uh, they would hear some stuff or whatever. They would turn around and run back to camp. Oh, it's too dangerous. We need to go. And uh, it, it got really frustrating. And then they he had to make a comment that, hey, listen, we're, we're not Bigfoot researchers. We weren't out there to get Bigfoot evidence. We were just trying to see the sustainability of, re, you know, rehabitating the, right. the environment.
2: And there's a couple of instances where they find some hair mm-hmm. and they just... I don't know what they did with it. I don't know if they picked it up or what. In one instance, you see them like picking it up and they're passing it back and forth with their bare hands, you know, and, um, somebody, somebody made a comment on their Facebook group about, did you guys keep the hair? Did you collect it? And that's their, you know, well, we're not Bigfoot hunters, you know, we're just there for this or that. And I mean, it wouldn't have been very hard at all for them to have a Bigfoot hunter on the team with them. So I don't, you know, I don't understand why they wouldn't have taken that opportunity to, to have somebody, Uh, knowledgeable in the subject with them to uh, take care of things like that. Yeah. Given the
3: fact that uh, Jeff Meldrum has been on discovery plus, you know, hundreds of times, (laughs) uh, you know, you would think that somebody would have his number on speed dial. Hey, we found this, but no, dude, yeah, exactly.
0: Dropped a a few strands of hair in the mail to Dr. Meldrum. I mean, you know, he could have told him, well, it's a bear or, you know, Hey, it's something else.
3: Not, not to mention the fact you have this, uh, uh, One guy on the uh, team, Kyle McDowell, um, who is supposed to be this, uh, you know, and and I'm sure he is. I mean, uh, Ash uh, Nannerhoff has a history of being a survivalist, has had, uh, you know, a YouTube channel, has had social media, Instagram, you know, prior to this TV show about survival, survival stuff. Um, And I think that's why they featured him so much. He was kind of their celebrity. Uh, the same thing with Kyle. I think Kyle also had some, some social media going about, you know, uh, tracking and, and being, a, you know, a, a hunter and whatnot. And I think that's why they kind of featured him a lot, too. Um, but, uh, you know, as it tur- always turns out to be, uh, well, you know, it's always the typical excuse is you have this evidence and then everything just seems to disappear. We saw that, of course, with the chimp DNA on expedition bigfoot last year um so it's like why why are we making a big deal of that well funny you're playing with chimp pheromones on one show and the next show oh you find chimp dna
2: yeah well i think a lot of this th- i think this show is a for lack of a better term is is the offspring of expedition bigfoot um you know expedition bigfoot's i mean we can argue its popularity but it's spawned it's spawning a third season yep. um and i think you know if if the entertainment industry does anything. They will beat a dead horse until it's embedded in the ground. Uh, Just look at, you know, the reality TV, they just keep cranking it out, cranking it out. It's popular. We're going to keep doing the same thing. Uh, The superhero movies that are coming out now, which I love, I'm not complaining about those. Uh, You know, they're just cranking them out, cranking them out. And that's what they do. Something sticks, something's popular and they just keep doing it. And in my opinion i think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better i think we're going to see a lot more of these type of shows yep that's unfortunate um and you can almost see the 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 progression of that uh
3: with uh the capture of bigfoot they did that that folk uh fake years ago and they, they, they had the mermaid show they had the the megalodon show so i think that was kind of like uh kind of almost like a precursor to all of this where now we're going to uh, send people out there which have some, some reputation and we're just going to create the scenarios around them but uh so tell us more really about you know what you think of the, the actual bigfoot activity and you know then the, the nancy knock activity because I, I know we had talked a little bit in pre-show and i i believe the same way is that there's some people who say oh nothing happened and there's certain people that say it all happened and yeah. you
2: know truth is always somewhere in the middle I, I, I agree. So there's an article that came out, I believe it was last year, uh, basically where a gentleman had spoken to someone that says that um, there, there was a native elder. Her name was uh, Melania Kell. And uh, she had done an interview uh, that had got picked up by a lot of uh, newspapers about the Bigfoot activity in, in Portlock about uh, uh, the Nantinock. Well, last year there was an article that came out, uh, basically one of her relatives, uh, said, you know, some of the stuff she said wasn't true. She just was having fun with, uh, with the interviewer, you know, it was just kind of, and it's impolite, I guess, to, um, to correct an elder or to call them out, you know, to, to basically correct them. So nobody said anything and they just let her run with it. Well, Uh, that article came out last year and people were trotting that thing around just saying like, Oh, look here, look here. Well, I actually spoke to the gentleman that wrote that article and, uh, he quoted me in the article, but he got it completely wrong. I mean, he quoted me. So I don't think he mentions my name, but, uh, I had told him there had been a show that had claimed to go to Portlock, um, Years and years ago, it wasn't on Travel Channel, it was on uh, a different channel. It was a different Alaska uh, show. I'm not going to mention the name of it because I actually do uh, respect one of the researchers that was on the show. I just think it was, you know, it was the production team that was go, ga- you know, goading them into doing what they were doing. Anyway, they lied about going to Port Lock, they were supposed to fly a, a drone over the town or something like that. And they send the drone up and there's like a pickup truck standing behind them. And I'm like, wait, you can't drive there. How did it, why is there a truck there? What the hell's going on? So obviously they fabricated that part of the show. So I was telling this newspaper reporter about that. I said, yeah, there was a, there was a TV show that claimed they went there. Uh, It wasn't true. Um, And then we went there in 2018. Then we went back in 2019 for the Alaska triangle. Well, this guy uh, in the article says like, Oh yeah. I spoke with one of the, one of the celebrities on one of these alleged reality shows. And, uh, he said they just filmed on the side of the road and a fate tree knocks and all that. And I didn't say anything like that.
1: Like the dude just
2: completely misquoted me. And I texted him back. I'm like, dude, you need to fix this. This is not right. And he said, Oh, okay. And then he said, this fix fixed. And I went back, looked the article. It still wasn't fixed. Um, I contacted his editor and I'm like, dude, you like, this dude is like his journalistic integrity is like not right. Like something's up here in the editor. I'll never forget that. I've never been treated as I was a police officer for 15 years. Never been I just shined on like this in my life. And the guy goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. This is the editor of this publication. He goes, I'm sorry. I don't understand what the problem is. I guess I don't speak Sasquatch. And I mean, at that point, what do you do? You just got to throw your hands mm. up and just be like, you know what, mm. you know, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to go fight these people? You know, like I just got to, I'm just going to walk away.
0: That's why I, I believe in wow. not talking to reporters <laughs> other than telling them to go get stuffed. And after that, you know, well, I,
2: I did a, I did an episode of my podcast about it where I basically tell the entire story and I'm like, I, I will never talk to the press again about anything like this. But uh, anyway, my, my point with that is um, a lot of people are trotting that article out as being the debunking, the end all be all, of uh, Port Chatham, Port Locke. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe what he wrote about Melania is entirely true. I don't know. But based on my interactions with the gentleman, you know, the whole article suffers from the boy who cried wolf syndrome. It's like, maybe there's a grain of truth in there, but from my interaction with him and what he got wrong from what I told him, I find no uh, veracity in the article at all. Sure. Uh, it, it, it's tough. I mean, maybe, maybe everything that he wrote about Melania is absolutely true, but after my interactions with him, I cannot endorse it at all. Like he was just, I don't know what the prize problem is. He thinks he's a Hunter S Thompson. He says he's a gonzo journalist. And, um, so that article gets trotted out a lot as the debunking of Port Chatham. And then you've got the extreme other side that, uh, buy into the like everybody in the town was massacred uh bigfoot ripped everybody apart drove everybody out of town and uh honestly for my research i think it's more the truth is more in the middle um there from what i've found there was absolutely uh bigfoot sightings in the area uh there was absolutely people that disappeared there there were people that were found dead there um but the abandonment of the town was more economic than it was people running away from the Nantanock. Um, the sawmill burned down and a lot of people think that the, the cannery was the driving force behind the economy. Uh, and it was, it did employ a lot of people, but the sawmill was really the, the backbone of the town because the sawmill made cut the wood for them to make the fish traps. And once the sawmill burned down, And uh, I found an article, um, it's actually, it's in the book, uh, but I found an article where they talk about it and they say it wasn't insured. The owner didn't have it insured. They decided not to rebuild and that kind of killed the town. There was no more economic viability. There was no more jobs. So eventually uh, the people trickled out of the town and eventually left. Uh, but again, you do have the history of Bigfoot sightings there. You have, uh, people that go up in the hills and and hunt. You've got a miner that disappeared, although it wasn't the miner from the chrome mine that they were talking about on the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the truth behind Port Chatham, I think it's somewhere more in the middle. It's not to the extreme where it's all made up and it's not to the, you know, it's not the massacre that people make it out to be. It's a little bit more in the middle, which is, I think the case for most things in life. Yep. Uh, I agree. In in reading uh, some of
3: the mat- uh, material, um, I, one of the posts I said I read, you know, said there was the doctor was a documented murder of a man uh, that got hit on the head with something. I think it was nineteen thirty one. I want to yeah, say that would
2: be Andrew Camlock.
3: Yep. And, but they said the other ones, these dismembered bodies, there was never any press reports of any of
2: this stuff. Was this so. I, when I was writing the book, I got in touch with the state records uh, department and I had them help look. I was trying to find Mr. Camlock's birth certificate, or I'm sorry, death certificate, because uh, I thought if I could at least find some collaborative evidence that he died from blunt force trauma to the head, I mean, that's something, right? Yep. Um, so I worked with a nice lady there for a few days. Uh, the state records department's in Juneau, uh, which is very far away. So, um, uh, we, we corresponded back and forth over the phone and the email and, uh, she looked for several days for me and eventually she came to me and she said, uh, I can't find Mr. Kamluck's death certificate. She found his son's death certificate, which I had also found. Uh, but she said, uh, she couldn't find his death certificate. She had no explanation for why she couldn't find it. Uh, and she said, this is pretty funny. She said, maybe you should try the Homer police department. Uh and I I worked there at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I told her I was like, no, I, I assure you they, d- they don't have right. it. Um, and that was pretty much where I ended my search. I think you know, there's a lot of people out there that are a little bit more conspiracy minded that would say, Oh, the guy was killed by a Bigfoot, so they they scrubbed his death certificate. Um my opinion of it is I mean, it's a small town in Alaska. You know, this was before statehood, yep. so there wasn't mandatory record keeping stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure it might be tucked in the back of somebody's family Bible. It might be maybe in some church records in one of the villages uh, somewhere, or it might have just, you know, been lost. If it was like
0: 1931, I mean, there wouldn't be a whole lot of record keeping at that time. Anyway, when you, when you died, they just took you out and stuck you in a hole somewhere. You're lucky if you had uh, a wooden marker.
2: Yeah. I mean, people would, people would die at home in the, Family would just take them out in the backyard and bury them. There wasn't a lot of uh <laughs> next there wasn't a lot family of red dog. <laughs> t- yeah. There w- wasn't a lot of red tape and uh, mm. you know, documentation. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that is amazing. Um
3: has there been any activity there which you know, like you said, you had experienced some stuff when you were out there. What were some of the experiences that you guys had, even though they may not they may be minute?
2: Well, we certainly, when we got there, we were walking around um, looking for the town site. Uh, we kept hearing this thumping in front of us. Like we'd walk a little ways and hear thump, 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 like something was in front of us. Just, you know, it just kept pacing us. And uh, we heard it several times. Uh, we found some interesting tracks and impressions. Um, you know, nothing, nothing was really castable. Uh, you saw how the, the, the ground there is just a spongy, mossy mess. Um, I don't know if you can see it very well, but I'll try. and... Can you see that? Yeah. If we can't get you, yeah, that's a track that we found that doesn't quite look like a bear. Right, you can put that oh, back up. Yeah. There okay. You know, let me yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, we had that. Um, I don't recall. I don't think we heard any like vocalizations or anything. Oh, that's I can size... see the outline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a ten and a half boot next to that. Wow. But, pretty large, pretty wide. Yeah. Uh, no no claw marks on that, so I don't think it's a bear. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. We uh, had found this area. We were looking at the map, and we found a freshwater stream. And we said, let's go look over there, because that, that's where there's going to be wildlife. And we went over there. I think, I don't know, Stephen had some name for it, like the Valley of Death or something. He likes to give, like, they had no man's land on Killer Big, but Stephen likes to do that. He likes to give places, like, but it helps, you know, so you know what you're talking yeah. about. Like, okay, over here is the Valley of death. Over here is the point of no return or whatever. Um, so we were in this area that he had called the Valley of death, which was kind of a wide open area. And, um, it was just about time to turn around and go back to the boat. And me and Mary Beth, the female that was, uh, in the photo with us there, we were kind of walking uh, together and we both stopped and she's like, man, do you feel like we're being watched? And I was like, yeah, something's weird. And I had a little scout, Fleer with me and I took it out and I started Fleering and, uh, I got a Fleer. I got a black, I had black was hot and I could see something just inside the tree line. And, uh, it looked like, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, it like Donkey Kong it had like the yeah. cone head wide shoulders and it looked like, it was doing this, it was raising its arms up and down. Hmm. And, uh, again, you know, we're there looking for Bigfoot. We're big, you know, we're searching for Bigfoot. I see something in my flare It looks like Bigfoot. And you know what I did? I handed the flare to somebody else. I go, Hey, look over there and see what do you see yeah. <laughs> instead of hitting record. So um, I handed it to uh toad, that young gentleman that was on the screen there. He was actually our cameraman's brother. He came to help carry like batteries and whatnot. And uh, he's a, he was a young kid and he looks through the, the flare scope and he goes, it looks like a dude. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, he hands the fleer back to me and I hit record. And I actually did get it. Um, I, I did get like a 30-second clip of it. Uh by the time I hit record, it had kind of started to move back, it was like receding from us. Uh, and we went in that direction. We went after it and couldn't find it again. But uh, if you there's a, the documentaries on YouTube now, you can watch it for free. It's called In Search of the Port Chatham Harry Man and the the Fleer footage that i got is is on that uh documentary and you can see at one point like it kind of looks like it takes a step like it shuffles over to one side and uh that's probably like it's one of the most bizarre things that i've ever experienced i don't have an explanation for it i don't know what it was it wasn't a bear i will yeah. uh i will get
3: that description and link in the uh in the con in the uh just disc- show description uh after yeah. the show then So that-
0: so podcast listeners, make sure you check out the YouTube channel and get that link.
3: <laughs> yeah. We're gonna put the link into that. That's pretty amazing yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um I did order your book by the way, so that's that's good. That'll be hitting me
2: on the 28th because I'm cu- curious
3: to read all of that. Um yeah. well you
2: know, if that's... anything, Alaskan Killer Bigfoot has given me a bump in sales. Oh yeah, uh, I'm sure it I, has. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so but something
2: uh, positive came out of it. So
3: so have, has a lot of people been asking you about the show?
2: Oh yeah. I've gotten, um, I don't know how I've lost count of how many messages people have, have. I mean, a lot, a lot of, uh, well-respected people in the Bigfoot community have, have reached out to me and they're like, are you involved in this? Do you know about this? And <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's got to, to be a thing now where I get one or two a day usually.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, again, I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, that, that was, uh, so, what? All these uh, have there been any recent Bigfoot sightings in uh, in the Port Lock area? I know that the area is abandoned, but has anybody come back and said, "Hey, you know, you know, this is what I saw"? I, I know uh, one of the. Uh, it's kind of funny because in reading the synopsis, they they talk a lot to a lot of the Native Americans, or and what they do is they put those filters on it to make it look like it was VHS or you know going back years, but. Uh, you know, some of the, the the clothing that the folks were wearing seemed to be present-day clothing, so you kind of could tell that, you know, this isn't really an old interview. This is something new, yeah. and it's just being processors and filters. Um, have there been any recent uh, Bigfoot or Nantinoc
2: sightings? So I haven't had any reported to me. Um, every once in a while, somebody will, you know, oh, you know, back in, I haven't heard anything since probably like two thousand like 16 or so. Uh, I did have a gentleman. It was a secondhand encounter. Uh, I don't, I can't speak to the veracity of it because it's pretty <laughs> out there. It's pretty, it's pretty far fetched, but it's again, you know, the, the, the monkeys in the 18 wheeler, yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes <laughs> truth is stranger than fi- uh, mm-hmm. fiction. I heard a guy say he was on a boat. He he was out there fishing. He was, I don't think he was actually in Port Chatham, but he was some, maybe in Chrome Bay, somewhere very near there. And he saw a Bigfoot standing on the shore. And this is the most Alaskan thing ever. He grabs his rifle out of the out of the yeah. cab and he shoots it. And he says, I swear to God, I hit it. It hit it in the shoulder. He says, the Bigfoot looks at him, reaches in his shoulder, digs out the bullet, shows it to the dude and throws it in the water. And then takes off into the forest. And uh, mm-hmm. again, that's pretty far fetched. I mean, I don't know Damn. what to think about that, but it's kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a crazy story to make up. <laughs> yeah. But then again, given the, uh, the
3: legends and the other tales that have come out of there, it doesn't, uh, seem all that far fetched. I mean, to think that, you know, the, the, like Alaskan killer Bigfoot, like they had one where Ash was in the the tree stand and, uh, you know, he's hearing chains and you hear these chains in the background and he's, they're hearing tree knocks and I'm almost wondering, you know, the tree knocks sounded really crisp and clear to me. So I'm almost ad- wondering if they were added in or were they amplified or
2: it, were they yeah. real at all? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't get a lot of reports of tree knocks up here. Um, I hear more about vocalizations here than I do tree knocks. Uh, tree knocks is more of a Pacific Northwest thing, like the Washington, Oregon area. Uh, I don't think our Bigfoot up here really tree knock that much i think tree knock is is something that they, i mean this is my i don't know anything about bigfoot everything that i say is complete speculation and theory so i'm not a, i'm not a bigfoot expert um that's my disclaimer but uh i have a theory that the bigfoot up here because the human population is so spread thin have got so much they have so much room to run around and they don't have to be around people if they don't want to be uh that they're more prone to use vocalizations up here and then in the mm-hmm. forty eight, where the humans are more, uh, with an earshot, they use the tree knocks because it's a bit more um, subtle. Subtle, yeah. It's a it's a it's a bit more. Uh, it keeps them from being obvious. So that's just a theory I have. I, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a really good theory. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it. Why use why 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 would you be
3: prone to tree knocking when the the, the primary at least we figured is a, is kind of a tactile form of communication where they're trying to keep, you know, on the download.
0: So that right.
3: that makes a lot of sense. That's brilliant. Yeah, it
0: does. I like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Uh, now you've been investigating Al- Alaskan Bigfoot for for quite some time. What? What? You know, what are some of the best ones you've gotten firsthand outside of the Port area? We don't we don't just outside don't do this. of the Port walk,
2: I have an area. I'm sorry,
3: go ahead. Yeah, because we don't get to talk about Alaska Bigfoot no. all that yeah. often. So yeah, this is...
2: I think um, some of the ones that come to mind with me, with me, um, as far as here where I live, um, there's, a, there's an area not too far from me called the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge. And uh, there was a big fire that came through there here about two or three years ago. And after that, the reports and activity out of there have really died down. I haven't heard anything. So I don't know if the fire drove them out, killed them, but what or what? But before that I was getting some pretty interesting accounts coming out of their uh, roadside crossing, stuff like that. But the one that I like that sticks out on my mind is uh, a lady and her husband were out kayaking around this Lake and they kind of kayaked. There's a, there's a campground on the Lake, but you can go around this corner and you're kind of in a secluded area. Well, they had kayaked around this corner to the secluded area and she says, she looks up and she says, sees this guy standing on the shore and he's holding these two huge trees and he starts shaking them at her, you know? <laughs> and she's like, what is this guy? She's like, who's, what is this crazy guy doing? And she gets to looking at it, Well, it's a Bigfoot.
4: <laughs>
2: and, um, she said that her and her husband were like, what the hell, you know? And they, they got out of there and later they went back and, um, did a, consp- I think her, I can't remember if it was her husband or her uh, uncle got on shore and stood where the thing was standing. And she's like, the thing was, it had to be like seven feet tall. Like it was, it was so much bigger than my, than my husband or uncle, whoever it was. And uh, I think it, that was probably some kind of uh, a territorial display or something or aggression display where it was shaking those trees that wanted them to get out of there. Um, And then uh, I've heard some vocalizations very, very close to that area. My wife and I both were tent camping one night. And we got up about three o'clock in the morning and just heard this roar off in the distance. It sounded like a T-Rex or something. And my wife, she's born and raised in Alaska. And, uh, I asked her, I'm like, what is that? And she's like, I don't know. I mean, it was sounded way far away, so we didn't feel like we were in any danger, but, uh, that was back when I was a baby Bigfooter. Of course I didn't have a recorder. I went out and bought a recorder after that camping trip. I (laughs) know I run it when I go camping, but yeah, I mean that area, I think it was, uh, I think it was a good area for, for having uh, a sighting or encounter. But after that fire went through there, it just uh, seems like it's died down. And it seems like the bears have moved back into that area since that fire went through. Um, That's another theory that I have is that bear and Bigfoot don't necessarily uh, cohabitate uh, if they don't have to. Um, And part of that comes from Port Chatham where there was an area that we found that was uh, covered in blueberry bushes. I mean, almost like fields of blueberry bushes, as far as you can see. And, uh, half the blueberry bushes had been stripped clean and there was bear poop all over the place. And the other half hadn't been touched at all. It was almost like you were walking into somebody else's like territory, like hmm. the bears wouldn't go over there. And, um, Dr. Robert Alley wrote in, uh, Raincoast Sasquatch about a sighting that happened up here in Alaska of a, a boat captain that saw a bear walk out on the beach you know, from like stage right or whatever. Stop, sniff the air, turn around, go back the other way, and then he says a bigfoot walks out down the beach from stage left. Stops, sniff the air, turns around, goes the other way. Almost like they were avoiding each other. <laughs> and um,
0: well, it would make sense that they yeah. wouldn't want to compete against each other for survival, for food and stuff. You know. And, uh, the,
3: and, and these
2: are uh, these are grizzly bears, correct? Or brown bears? Not not the uh, black a mix bear. of br- there's we have uh, both brown and black bear here.
0: Oh, wonderful.
4: Yeah, I have
2: black bear in my backyard quite a bit, and then about two miles from my house, uh, over here behind me, uh, a couple of years ago there was a gentleman in the Coast Guard that was mauled by a brown bear on a trail. Yeah, not very far at all from my house. Bears,
3: and I I take it the black bears are kind of like you can scare them pretty easily away, but the brown bears are probably.
2: I, yeah, I'm not too scared of black bears. I've, I've, uh, you know, usually you just yell at them and, you know, raise your hands and they'll generally run away. I I haven't had any problems out of black bears, brown bears. I'm not uh, as confident in my, in my shoeing skills on on, uh, (laughs) brown bears. Yeah. I
3: I don't think I, I don't think I necessarily would be myself. Uh,
2: There's my,
3: there's my bear spray right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's kind of a necessity
3: where you live.
2: Yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got two cans upstairs, one by the front door, one by the back door. Uh, Cause we take our dogs outside all the time. And uh, in the summertime, I almost never go outside without it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow just having, just having living. a dog, I'd be afraid of up there in Alaska
3: yeah. with all the bears running around.
2: Yeah. Well, we, they don't go outside by themselves. We never leave them unattended. I don't think big I'm dogs gonna, or little you know, dogs. They're little Little French bulldogs. Oh, okay. I don't yeah.
0: think I'd want to live in an area where I had to take bear spray to go check the mail.
2: <laughs> it's it's actually the moose are uh more scary than the bears. Um, moose, those things I think they're more dangerous than bears are. They, those things will they'll come after you in a heartbeat if you get between one and its calf or they're just They got those little tiny pea-sized brains, and they just don't care. You know, they'll walk right out in front of your car. They don't care.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, but the the moose is not going to try to break in your back door to get to your refrigerator, though. You know, that's that's the thing. You can kind of see them coming for a little ways. With bears, you know, dude, you could be sitting in your living room and hear (laughs) something break in the kitchen door, and, hey, hello, Mr. Bear. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's only happened around here once that I know of. There was a guy that was – he was renting a cabin, and this is back when I was uh, working at the police department and uh, I was on my way home for lunch and we got a call. This dude was in his cabin in the bathroom and he heard somebody, he thought somebody had broken the house and he pokes his head out the door and there was a bear in his cabin uh, rooting around in his kitchen. And so uh, I got called off on my lunch break to go deal with it. And by the time I got there, the bear had already ran off. So I didn't, I didn't even get to, I didn't even get to see it. <laughs> yeah. Guy, lo-
3: guy locked in the locked in the on the hopper not not fair not fair at all well <sighs> yep. but uh wow well, um well Are i think you know uh, larry I, I don't know if you want to stick around we usually we do another hour a show we can still keep talking about bigfoot or
2: yeah uh, sure i don't uh i don't have i think we we're gonna have dinner about seven o'clock so that'd be perfect
3: okay awesome Seven o'clock, you know, that, and that's the other thing. There's a four hour difference between East coast and Alaska. A lot of people don't know that, that Alaska is even an hour further
2: out than California. Yeah. Uh, well, when I, uh, when I first moved here in the military, you know, my, I'm from Kentucky originally.
4: Uh, <laughs> Bluegrass,
2: to- go cats. And, um, my mother never, she did not understand time zones. She could not understand it. And I tried to explain it to her, tried to explain it to her. And uh, I would call her and uh, she'd be like, it's Tuesday here. Is it Thursday there? (laughs) (laughs) Not, not quite Um. over the
3: international date line, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, not to get off topic, but I remember New Year's Eve, you know, Chris called me at uh, like five minutes after 12, you know, my time, he goes, hello, I'm calling you from the past. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's 20 it's still 2021 here <laughs> and uh that was kind of a good laugh um but yeah it's just uh it's amazing the how different the weather is and how different you know how in you know not only in in the the spacing you know the the latitude uh spacing but the the time zone spacing it's just it's just wild to think it's just like you're in a whole nother world over there
2: um, well we drove um In September, after the Boreal Bigfoot Expo, Stephen and Adam and I drove up to Prudhoe Bay, which is at the very tip top of Alaska. From my driveway to uh, Dead Horse, Alaska, which is where the oil fields are, was like one thousand and twenty three miles.
3: Wow, that is amazing. It's huge, huge and that's one
2: state. One state.
3: Yeah. No, sorry, I I have a dog misbehaving over here almost. (laughs) Yeah, see, uh, Sherry is not home tonight, so uh, usually I keep the door closed, but because the dogs are wandering around, I keep open because they'd be knocking on the door if I closed it. There's no union oh, yeah. nearby. So oh. and all of a sudden, uh, the, the shepherd and the shih tzu decided to just brawl for a second, which
0: they, they... got to have some attention, you know. <laughs> no, they're just they're just being dogs. Yeah. Oh, you got to love them. <laughs> At least
3: they're not, they're not barky. So, um well
0: I wanted to ask Larry Larry do you go like tent camping ever I, I would not yes. but I'm just asking you um,
2: <laughs> I, I do I there for a long time I was I had a, a just a regular tent I'd throw it on the ground and uh, sleep in that but uh, here in the last couple of years I've actually got a truck tent that goes in the back of my truck and that I feel a little bit safer in that because I'm like up off the ground and um, I think that, you know, if a bear or something came around, I, I would have a better chance of uh, hearing it before it just, you know, reached in the tent and tried to get me a, as yeah. opposed to just being in a, a tent that's on, laying on the ground. So uh, that my wife feels a lot safer in that. So that's typically what I use when I go out is the, the truck tent. I don't do a whole lot of like camping or uh, hiking and camping, you know, right. just hiking into remote areas. But um, yeah, it, uh, it, it can be, it can be pretty dangerous up here. You know, you hear about uh, people walking their dogs and getting trampled by moose and bear stuff all the time. It's yeah. uh, it's, it's actually uh, it, it frustrates me not to turn this into a whole, you know, second amendment thing but to hear people like no nobody needs guns anymore and i'm like damn it i do i've got bears in my backyard (laughs) yeah yeah
0: that's a that's a good case (laughs) yeah i mean typically you know if you're if you're living in new york city and you're walking around you know go up to your apartment building walk down to the deli you know okay maybe you don't need a high-powered rifle but uh if you're living in alaska especially a remote alaska to where you know Dude, you know you got to have bear spray to go check your mail. Probably not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's just you know the the world's a big place, and and different yeah. places have different needs. So right, we yeah. can't just you can't just blanket the entire country and say this is the way it needs to be.
0: Well, you know, camping too. You know, I used to love camping, but uh, where where you're at, uh, I don't think I could enjoy camping at all. Uh, it would probably just be like a paranoid thing, like uh, be in the tent and I can't really go off, drop off to sleep because I'm sitting here thinking, OK, well, what if Smokey the Bear decides he's going to reach in and grab my foot while I'm asleep? You know. Yeah, Chris
3: is <laughs> yeah. Chris is paranoid. He's going to be the next Timothy Treadwell. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, you guys
0: want to hear Ooh. something,
2: uh, something uh, cool about Timothy Treadwell? When I was in the academy, the police academy, the um, Alaska uh, state medical examiner came and gave a presentation. And they actually showed us photos from his autopsy. Ooh, and uh, it was it was it was about as gruesome as you would imagine.
3: Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't sound pretty. The same thing with his girlfriend got it too. And uh, yeah, there there's a lot of trepidation I would have even camping out in, in Alaska. Well,
2: um, funny, you know, I don't think anything about going and throwing up a tent and camping here. Uh, we were in Washington a couple of years ago, and we were walking around uh, in this logging area, looking at the ground and I, we found some uh, mountain lion tracks and that freaked me the hell out because bears I'm okay with moose. I'm okay with. And now all of a sudden, you know, I don't know anything about mountain lions now. I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, you know, and uh,
3: you know, uh, you know what I guess when you're in an area and you're acclimated to the animals, you know, like for you, Ah, oh, brown bear, brown bear, big deal. I'll still camp here. But oh my god, a a, a mountain lion? Uh, no way. Whereas somebody maybe that lives there would be like, oh, mountain lion? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Brown bear, yeah. big problem. Um myself, I you know, area I usually do, they they have some black bear, but I have yet to see one. And I'm gonna knock wood on that.
2: Um, yeah. Well, again, when I was in Washington, every campsite I went to had those bear storage uh boxes the the bear food boxes and um i never saw a bear while i was there and i every one of those campsites i went to had one of those storage boxes i'm like oh there must be bear around here never saw one (laughs) yeah probably saw plenty of moose though uh i saw a bunch of deer actually um deer was probably the 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 most plentiful animal i saw while i was there now how how did
3: you get involved in all the bigfoot
2: it was something I was always interested in. I grew grew up in, in Kentucky, in uh, Muhlenberg County. And uh, I grew up uh, across the street from a library, and I loved reading the the monster books and the, the books about Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster, stuff like that. And I really just never grew out of it, you know. I always, uh, it was just something I was always fascinated with. And then uh, when I got up here to Alaska, you know, when I joined the military, I said, I don't care where the Army sends me as long as it's nowhere cold. And then straight to Alaska, I went <laughs> and, uh, but I liked it so much. I stayed. So, so there's that. But, uh, and then when I got up here, you know, kind of, I mean, I'm in Alaska, so the crypt of choice is obviously Bigfoot. And finally I just kind of was like, you know, I can go out and look for this thing myself. I don't have to watch people do it on TV. <laughs> and I just, I have a blast, you know, uh, I love going out. I love camping. I love hiking. And, If I see something or find something great, if I don't, then, you know, I have a good time enjoying the outdoors.
0: Have you ever tried any gold panning? I have not. Mm -hmm. That's something I've always wanted to do. What is there any,
3: what is there any big differences between, and I understand, you know, in certain areas, like, like, like people think that Alaska is dark for X amount of months, but that's only in like the Northern parts of Alaska,
2: well, wow. we, we have it down here too, but it's not to the extreme that they do. Uh, whereas they'll have almost 24 hours of, of darkness. You know, we'll have like uh, six hours of daylight, something like that. I think at the peak of winter, we get like five hours of daylight. So we still have day and night. It's just we have really long nights and really short days. Like what, what um, time would your night begin at? Like I, at, I mean, in, the, in the peak of winter, you know, we have uh, it starts getting dark. Around like three four p.m. Wow. Yeah.
3: Well, I that you know that's not surprising. I mean, even here in New York, um, you know, at five thirty p.m. it's dark. You know, at the at the peak of winter. I remember, in fact, I was doing a video review on at work, and uh, there it is at five o'clock, and you can see you know, and then by the time five thirty rolls around, it's pitch black out there, and and the cameras are all night vision mode. So, yeah, you know, it's uh, that's not that's not too too bad. Um, trying to think. Uh, so what what do you think? Or what's the major difference between living like in Alaska and and in the forty eights? I mean, are are you guys experiencing the same chain supply problems that the rest of the country is experiencing? Or yeah, it worse? I mean, is it better. Or is
2: it well, work? I think it depends on where you live. Uh, I like to tell people that uh, Alaska is just an hour outside of Anchorage. So you know, a- Anchorage is its own world. You know, it's hmm. it's a bigger city. Uh, And then when you get outside of there, most of the groceries and stuff in our grocery store has to come down from Anchorage. And uh, I've noticed uh, when I go to the grocery store lately, you know, I'll have 10 items on my list. They might have six of them or five. And it's, it's not to the point where I'm like hoarding stuff, (laughs) but uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned, especially up here. You know, we have to have everything either barged in or trucked up and, uh, that's why I, I do have a lot of, uh, like emergency rations, stuff like that. Uh, I like to have a, a bunch of water on hand, uh, just for any type of emergencies, but, uh, you know, we're a little bit of a hardier breed up here. You know, we can be a little bit more self-sufficient than, you know, people in the lower 48, especially the bigger cities. If worst comes to worst, I can go outside and and shoot a rabbit or a moose or something and and eat that. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing some emptier shells at the, at the grocery stores. Uh, I wouldn't say it's enough to panic about now, but it's concerning. But
3: you know, surprisingly you have damn good internet.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It has to come in
3: by dog (laughs) slit. Well, that's okay. Chris, Chris's internet's run by squirrels. Yes. We have
0: squirrels (laughs) running a cage. Keep it electrically yeah, powered. I, I, I. Well, just my, because just because I par- live in New York
3: doesn't mean I don't live in the country too. People know where I live. In.
2: My parents lived in Kentucky. Um, well, my whole life, and they they're both passed away now. But I remember I had moved up here, and would go to their house to, to visit, and they didn't. They would have like dial up internet, and this was like you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah, and I had high speed internet at my house in Alaska. And go to their house in kentucky and couldn't couldn't even watch a video on youtube
0: right
3: yeah yeah you know it, it's true is there there was parts in new york that did not have like uh that would not have high-speed internet and over the last like five seven years they've been really expanding the high-speed internet around the state i mean i live in a very rural part of Saratoga county new york and i got high-speed internet so yeah.
0: Well, I gotta give them credit for in Kentucky. Over the last couple of years, especially, they've really been improving the services. Now we've got fiber optic uh, now, and and it's really fast. It's like you know, a couple hundred megabytes or or megabit internet speed. So it's it's really they've it's really improved. And
3: now they have the Critter Cooker two point <laughs> <laughs>
0: Instead of squirrels, they probably got some of those rounded. It's up a pot. You put the monkeys. critter in
3: it. You close the lid, and two hours later, you have a fabulous meal.
2: Let, let me ask you a question, Chris. I I can say this because I'm from there. If a man and a woman get divorced in Kentucky, are they still cousins? <laughs> I don't
4: know.
0: Usually, you know they 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 stay married. <laughs> those are the marriages that last.
4: <laughs>
0: oh, that's terrible.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't know there's a county in New York where the the family tree only has one branch.
2: So <laughs> I got to kind of
3: look out for that.
2: Um uh, we we all know Tennessee is where all that really goes on.
3: I think I said uh, <laughs> I, I and, think and and said, Mary, Mary spilled the news. I I knew this about 20 yeah, maybe about 10 minutes ago. Uh Mary. love you guys going to bed. Buffalo
0: lost in overtime. So it was pills. Jay. Oh, sorry. The bills are out, fans. So, Jay so, like, Fritz said, "I I lived in Muhlenberg County. Yeah, yeah I was Indiana born and raised there. Yeah, that is Gold awesome. a mining country. That's kind of weird because in Kentucky, the western part of Kentucky is coal miner areas. The eastern part of Kentucky is coal miner areas. In the middle, you know, we basically have nothing. You know, caves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got squirrels." Squirrels and caves Well
3: you have that wonderful racetrack too
0: Oh yeah well that's up there at the top uh, uh, Churchill Downs Yeah that's in Louisville Indiana probably claims that (laughs) (laughs) Hey now come on The the Cincinnati airport's in Kentucky Yeah yeah Well
2: Kentucky is just Just a few, few minutes drive away Outside of Louisville
0: Yeah yeah Basically. Yeah. was <laughs> about as much
2: Kentucky as Anchorage is Alaska. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: It's, it's completely so, different.
3: All right, getting back to the uh the, the Bigfoot topic. Um so what in your research in Alaska, is the Bigfoot much different in size as it is to say the Pacific Northwest. Um is it smaller, is it bigger, is it
2: described any different? I think it's pretty comparable to the Pacific Northwest Bigfoot. Uh, Usually, you know, between seven and eight foot tall. Uh, You know, I think I've heard maybe a a couple that uh, have said nine foot. Uh, I get a little skeptical at anything above nine foot. I just don't. I mean, maybe. But um, I think that, yeah, I think that's probably pretty comparable to the Pacific Northwest Bigfoot. Uh, I've heard of um, black ones, uh, brown ones, cinnamon colored ones and white ones.
3: Um, you know, and I, I agree with that because i I really think too uh, and you being a a poli- uh, foreign police officer, you probably have experienced that too that when you know somebody is so tall uh, in comparison to where you're standing, after a certain height, you kind of lose that perception of how tall it really is.
2: yeah, well, eyewitness testimony is some of the most unreliable testimony that that is out there, especially in a in a traumatic event or something that's scary or that puts the person through stress. I mean, I don't know how many like hit and runs I went to and you would hear, you know, Oh, it was a green car. Oh, it was a blue car. Oh, it was a black car. I mean, you wouldn't hear too many like, Oh, it was a yellow car. But you, you know, if it was a dark colored car, you'd get all types of different variations of colors. And
3: but I think it's go ahead. the one thing I've always said about eyewitness testimony is it, it's, some of the fine details can be unreliable, but like I said, it's, we know it's a car, right? Right. You know, that's why I have no problem. If somebody says they saw a Bigfoot, you know, we're a bunch of people and they're describing different sizes. We know they saw a Bigfoot. It's just nobody can, because of that different perceptions.
2: Yeah. I concur. Uh, and it's, it's kind of frustrating when you have, uh, so many, so many, uh, skeptics well, I don't want to call them skeptics because I think it's, yeah, I'm skeptical. I'm talking about like scofftics. People are just right. like it's not, it's not a thing. Um, I don't understand one, why those people feel compelled to to watch Bigfoot videos and comment on Bigfoot videos. And two, like just how you can take something that's so um, there's just so many sightings and just take all that and just nah. You know, it's not yeah, I, nothing to it. I I left,
3: uh, I I actually left a Facebook group because there was a comment made, you know, uh, about people saying, you know, well, I trust this person and that person and that person, you know, even though, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think that they may have thought they have seen a Bigfoot. I'm like, thought,
4: Hmm.
3: (laughs) thought, now, now you're in my eyes, you're in my shoes, you're in my mind. (laughs) Yeah,
4: I'm
3: like, you know what, I I don't,
2: if if that's going to be the mentality of people. That, well, you you, know, you can be skeptical and not be an asshole. You know? Exactly. You you well, can be skeptical yeah. and and not treat people uh, cruelly. It, it, it's entire. It is possible.
3: Yeah. Well, I agree. I agree. I mean, I I I tend to have fun with the people that have the woo stuff, but uh, I have no no animosity necessarily towards them unless they're hurting people um when, when they start to hurt people because of their beliefs then it, it kind of crosses the line but somebody says hey i think bigfoot's a shape-shifting porthole or portal jumping you know ufo not power to you i disagree with it and this is the reason why i disagree with you but i don't think yeah. you're a bad person because you believe that
2: yeah
4: now if you're starting a,
3: you. if you start a bigfoot cult and you're you're trying to make people believe that bigfoot is healing you i think that is yeah. adverse to the human condition
2: Give me your life savings. I'll show you a Bigfoot. Yeah.
3: That too. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's been happening in British Columbia for a little while. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. I, I don't know. I think that, um, well, again, like we were talking about the middle ground, I think that, uh, you know, open minded, you know, skeptical, but open to other things. I don't get on board with a lot of the woo stuff, but I'm not going to completely discount it. Um, you know, if somebody tells you something woo, hey, you know, take it, take it into, you know, consideration, put it in your pocket, keep it in your toolbox for later. Maybe it'll come in handy, maybe not.
3: Yeah. Um nothing wrong with being skeptical. No, not not at all. And the uh well, you have to be, you know, yeah. to to keep your in, in uh, yeah, I'm sure Bean understands this being a police officer, you know, you have to keep I mean, my background is uh I've been a professional investigator for many, many years now, going into my fourth decade now, I think, fifth I don't know, but 30 plus years spanning over, you know, since the, the late eighties. Um, and, and you have to, when you, when you get into these things, you, you have to take everything by a case to case basis. You have to have a bit of skepticism, but that doesn't mean you have to be a non-believer. You know, if somebody right. says to me, Hey, this is what happened. A, B, C, D, E. And it sounds reliable, then, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If, they turn around and have a paranormal experience. Well, maybe there's a scientific explanation for it. And we've talked about this a thousand times, you know, stuff like infrasound and, and, you know, yeah. the Mind's ability beef. for the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the ability for a deer to disappear in the woods after it crosses the road and you look and it's gone. It n- didn't necessarily jump through a portal or, and then there's trauma to the mind and PTSD and all these other things that can add into somebody's perceptions that they have, during a, an initial encounter yeah. where a, Steve, have you ever
2: had any training and uh, trauma, trauma informed uh, interrogation and interviewing uh, that I have not actually, it's kind done. of a new thing. It's kind of a yeah. new thing, but um, yeah, I, I think um, with a lot of that more woo stuff, you just have to take it into account. But as far as, I mean, what gets me is when people just state it as a fact, like Bigfoot, uh, you know, live underground Okay, that's show your work. Like, show me a Bigfoot underground. I, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary, you know, agreed. uh, Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't know. It kind of makes sense if you think about it, but you need to prove it. (laughs) Yeah. And then for every argument for
3: that, there's probably an argument against that as well. Um, you know, because living underground would, would give something. Uh, you know evolutionary would give you something you know a little bit more different like uh, you know like the spiders that lose that that have lived underground for for you know tens of thousands of years now they no longer have eyes yeah. you know so it, it's stuff like that that and i think what was the movie the descent uh that horror movie the descent where they had found these underground people oh. they didn't have eyes and uh, that, that was pretty pretty smart because they were thinking of the the evolution and, and the adaptations. And, and people say, you know, there's people that argue arguing, that'll even argue to this day that, well, Bigfoot's not nocturnal. I don't see where it has any evidence where, why it, or it would have a tapetum when none of the other great apes do. And some people even say none of the other primates. But the fact is that there are twelve, a dozen species of lower primates that do have tapetums, uh, which is the mechanism in the eye. Uh, but I, I look at that, you know, well, after, you know, five, 10,000 years, perhaps that was an evolutionary adaptation that, you know, maybe they originally didn't have tapetum lucidums. And then all of a sudden, because of their constant night, all of a sudden they start appearing. Um, they're, they're actually saying that in human evolution in another thousand years, uh, the pinky toe is going to disappear. That's the most
2: uh, important toe. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That that was a, th- if somebody was mentioning Peacemaker in the chat earlier and that's, a, that's uh he, they're getting tortured and somebody's going to cough his pinky toe and he goes, I can't, I won't be able to stand. That's the most important toe. <laughs> well, don't ruin it for me. I just started watching the Peacemaker. Oh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I,
3: I just started the first episode today and uh, I got into a little of the second episode and I said, oh, time to go
2: work on the show. It's worth it. But um yeah, I, I think that. One of the, one of the working theories that I have is basically, you know, Bigfoot, their entire. Hey, and welcome, Edward. Oh, there's Edward.
3: And, uh, Ed, Ed, came up with a great conversation in my humble opinion after interviewing many people who witnessed Bigfoot makes me believe we must have open me- mind, uh, all possibilities.
0: True. Yeah but uh, I, I mean, you can't. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's being a true skeptic there you know you, yeah. you keep an open mind as well maybe these people are seeing something maybe they're not seeing anything at all maybe they're seeing bears or something they're mistaking for bigfoot but you got to keep the mind open as to the possibility of what they're seeing what they're seeing
4: yeah and, if the
3: bigfoot if the bigfoot did blink out yeah you can ask yourself why why did it blink out yeah. It, is you know? And I think that going to the well, it must have been a portal or it must they must be, this or that. I think that is
0: uh, quite a jump. cheapen
3: cheapening yeah. the experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need to find out why before you can come to any conclusion. And uh, right. the most the, the most the, to me the most pertinent one is of all the above reasons the trauma based uh, type of of. Uh, a reaction, a person's mind is going through, and, and infrasound. Those
2: are the two first ones that come right to the top of my head. All right. I, um, I had a a um, incident in Washington that I don't know if it was intras- infrasound, but it was. I can't explain it. And I uh, had separated from the group. Uh, it was our last night there. It was still daytime, but it was our last evening there. And I told the people I was with, I was like, you know, go go ahead. I gotta use the bushes and then I will, uh, follow you guys, up, you know, I'll catch up with you guys. And I was standing, uh, facing the, across the street, across the road that we were on, we were on a logging road. And I heard like a whisper behind me, like, a whoosh, whoosh. and it just, boom, I was scared, like really scared. Mm-hmm. And, I hurried up and caught up with the rest of the group, and for the rest of the evening, I just had this weird, like, unnatural fear. And I thought that the the big I, we were in this area. It was like a campground. There was like a big hill behind us, and uh, I just felt like the Bigfoot was going to come over that hill, like the Zulu Nation, and just kill us. Yeah. And I I felt that way for a long time. And me and uh, Will Olmer were sitting around the campfire, and I mean, I had my you know I had my gun on my hip. I'm I'm thinking like something's going to happen. This is not good. And, um, all of a sudden we heard this, this was like three o'clock in the morning, something like that. We heard a big boom. We heard this big, like, it didn't even sound like a tree knock. It sounded metallic. And, uh, then all of a sudden it was like somebody flipped a switch and I was like, I'm not scared anymore. And Will had even said like, is it just me or did the atmosphere change? It was so bizarre. I can't explain it. I don't know if it was infrasound or what, but it just, it was weird. Well, let me ask you another question: Is is, is
3: the area that you were in? Uh, because here's yet another explanation for that. That I also throw into it is is the area you were in was was it an older area? Was it did it have a lot of Native American presence at one time? Did, was it
2: was it was it was an old growth um, forest. I don't know if it was. I'm well. Yeah, it was a uh, it was near. Colville, Washington. So I'm sure there was probably some Native American history in that area. So I I, I always look at that the history of an
3: area as well. Um, when something like that happens, look at the history of the area because you may not have experienced anything cryptid at all. It might have been paranormal. And it was that's it something was so bizarre. That that's so something, bizarre. yeah. That's something to keep in mind too, is that uh, you know, pe- people trounce around some of the old, you know, these old woods and Indian grounds and stuff like that. It, it could be completely something paranormal. Now I know people are like, wow, squatch text. I was saying, you know, but I've had enough experience. I also run a paranormal group or I did. And you know, I, I know there is such a thing as the paranormal totally can't explain a totally different realm of things. I don't think Bigfoot is a paranormal thing. I think that there are, are, are that, that cross paths, uh, in this world all the time that's why i think you know some people say well there's a ufo flap when there was bigfoot sightings and i that's just a coincidence it happens i mean you know if somebody you know it would be like saying well there was a dog sighting and there there's humans nearby well guess what they're you know <laughs> it, it's like the, these things happen they're there they're present so they are going to cross paths once in a while doesn't mean that when they do cross paths means they're they're uh they're conjoined at the hip. It just means that it's just a happenstance, and that's the way I feel with a lot of it. And I think a lot of stuff that that people go out in the woods looking for Bigfoot, they have a paranormal experience, and they att- automatically attribute that to a Bigfoot or a cryptid experience, when in actuality, what they're experiencing is something completely
0: different. Well, so that, I that's another. Yeah, well, go I ahead. got a question for Larry. Uh, I know it's probably been a while, there, But do you remember ever feeling any sort of uh, during that encounter, do you, did you feel any sort of fluttering or discomfort with one ear or the other? Or just-
2: no, it was, it, it kind and it wasn't like, directly in my ear. It was, right. it was kind of like over my right shoulder, just a little mm-hmm. bit into the wood line. Mm-hmm. And, um, as soon as it happened, I spun around and I fleered. I had my fleer around my neck and I right. fleered that area. Uh, of course I'm out looking for Bigfoot. Mm. Uh, but, I uh, and my mind went to mountain lion because we had seen some mountain lion tracks not right not too uh not too long before this and i'm i don't know anything about my mountain lion so i was a little worried about them and uh I, I don't know what it i don't know what it could be um mm. it just um it was just bizarre it was probably the most uh i don't want to say paranormal thing there but it was probably the most uh unexplainable thing that had ever happened to me uh,
3: Edward asked the the million dollar question, which which normally you know a lot a lot. Of, do you believe Bigfoot could be related to the Nephilim? And uh, me, for one, I, I I don't. I don't believe they're a people. I don't believe because Nephilim were, uh, if I'm correct, were created by uh, sons of Cain. I believe. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that that biblical uh, that portion of the Bible when it comes to the Nephilim. But, you know, that would mean they were they were giants um, that were created uh, and they're supposed to have some evil intent. Um, What I've seen twice definitely was, in fact, the one I've seen wasn't even uh, an adult. It was a juvenile. So if they were truly Nephilim, people wouldn't be seeing juvenile Sasquatch, I think, um, because they were created as giants. So that's that's my own opinion. Uh, certainly everybody's entitled to their own um uh, but i don't think that um i think we're dealing with a this, uh, obviously i'm as um steve Isdall calls me as a knuckle dragging aper <laughs> <laughs> um well this knuckle dragging aper and um says that I, I i believe they're a descendant of somewhere in the uh primate line
2: yeah uh, my my answer isn't any uh it doesn't deviate from that at all. Pretty much, I, I think they're some kind of hominid or hominoid. I, I don't think they're uh, anything that was. Well, I don't want to say they weren't written about in the Bible, but I don't think that they're Nephilim. I, I, you know, some of the giants that show up in the Bible maybe might have some connection to them, but um, I think um, I think they're just some sort of uh, animal that, for whatever reason, avoids us at all costs. Sure. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to add. I wanna add something to this. Throughout history, every historical account of every people anywhere has mention of hairy individuals, whether they be monsters, trolls, Nephilim, okay? Now, you gotta remember now that the Bible is a history of the Israeli people, the nation of Israel. Oh, sure, it's got some religious teachings in there too, but it's it's mainly a history. So why wouldn't it be, uh, you know, it's very possible they could have written about hairy beings. Of course, they kind of related their own story with what they were, just like the Nepalese did, you know, uh, Tibet. Uh, all those cultures have a history of a hairy being. So I don't think the Bible would be any different. I mean, they're, they're, they're going find you're going to find accounts in there. But as to what they are, really, nobody knows. Uh, we have some ideas. We have some theories. So you know, I don't think it's you know impossible that the Bible reference could have been discussing these. But as far as were they otherworldly or, uh, yeah, were they angels or something? You know, of course, that's that's Bible references and just the different uh, Native Americans. Uh, you'll find. All kinds of stories, and and, and throughout their history, where they discussed hairy creatures of some sort. Sometimes good, sometimes bad.
3: <clears throat> and don't don't forget, you know, Ezekiel seeing the flying wheel in the sky.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, you
0: know, UFO, you know, for your ufologists out there. Um, right. So all throughout history, throughout every culture, there's been mention of hairy, man-like creatures or beings and uh, everybody made of it what they will yeah
2: well you know history is always constantly evolving and seems like dates are getting pushed back for things yeah and um i just wonder if maybe there isn't always some kind of uh, a uh, primitive offshoot of humanity waiting in the wings to take over like maybe uh, you know millions of years ago we were the bigfoot and then the the dominant humanoids on the planet died off and then we came out of the woods and took over and this is just the next uh uh iteration of humanity uh laying low until we're gone and they're going to come out and take over you never know
4: um
3: yeah you just you just never know what what, where it comes i mean it is that's what makes this mystery so fascinating to me did they come from what are they You know what? You know why do they do what they do? Why you know uh, so many different interests, like biological interests and and behavioral interests, and and sociological interests I have of you know how they live and their family structure. And even though primate studies have kind of showed us a grouping of that exactly, no primates live exactly the same. Exactly Mm. the same. Maybe they have generalities. And uh, that's why I, I really think uh, um, I, I really think that uh, you know this this needs to be brought forth and uh, solved and uh, hopefully uh, still I can say hopefully within my lifetime I'm not quite that confident anymore uh, maybe 20 years ago I was but not so much now because um, now I've been doing this now for what 24
2: 20, 24 years
3: yeah
2: yeah they were food yeah. <laughs> well, think, think about the four horsemen you know those guys they how many years were they looking and some of them some of them died without ever even having a sighting and I think all of them died. yeah a... it uh it can get discouraging
0: well grower krantz was my personal favorite my hero and he got so desperate during his last years of life it was reported that he was driving on logging roads <laughs> deserted backwoods logging roads at night with a high-powered rifle, you know, hoping to have an encounter and shoot one. And yeah. that's, that's, that's really, that's, that's desperation. But I can, I can understand, you know, he's been working at it his whole life.
3: But I think we have the same desperation in the mind with some of these folks that were were believers of the flesh and blood Bigfoot, and then all of a sudden they hit a certain age, now they believe it's paranormal they believe it's something supernatural and i think part of that is the brain's inability to wrap itself that hey you know what you can't solve this and i think sometimes people get a little uh zonked on that i think they go through a wrong track line because they can't you know because nobody has been able to to uh prove this this phenomenon real and that's you know and you listen to the. If you can sit there and listen to the scoffics all day long and get very discouraged, um, we've all been there. I've been there. You know, like well, you know, well, there's been no evidence of this and that, and, blah, blah. and but there has. Uh, you know, I don't care if science wants to accept it or not. Um, you know, uh, there have been tracks found that that defy explanation, that have been looked at by people. There have been sightings that are damned good sightings by professional observers, such as police officers. Um, I know when I started into this field, I talked to a couple of them to start my career with. And uh, very believable. These guys weren't crazy. They weren't kooks. They were trained to observe and report. And guess what? They had a Sasquatch sighting, and they observed and they reported. And uh, to one of them, much to the detriment of their career, um, but that happens. Um, I don't know why uh, if or what, uh, the attitude of the Alaskan people is towards
2: Sasquatch. So what would say you Being on that one? It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty evenly split. There are, um, the ones that think it's uh, make believe and the ones that are pretty open to it and have had a, a experience, uh, if you ask around enough, you'll find somebody that's either seen one or I know somebody that's has a story. Um, I know when I was outed, uh, as being into Bigfoot, when I was still, uh, working at the police department, uh, you know, nobody, nobody that worked there really kind of took it seriously. There were a couple of guys that were interested in it, but, uh, the higher ups, and that's one of the reasons I'm not a big conspiracy guy when it comes to Bigfoot either. Cause when I left, when I retired, I was like, third, if I was like third in command of the police department and nobody ever set me down and said like, if somebody comes in and says they saw a Bigfoot, this is what you tell them. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: So I, I, um, I'm, they thought I might as well have been out in the woods chasing Batman or something. You know, it just wasn't, it wasn't real. It didn't exist. You
3: know, conversely, and this is a fact that the, um, you know, the initial reports in the log books at the Whitehall New York police department with Bigfoot went missing, but there was a fire at the police station. So they could have very well been destroyed in fire. So, you know, there's always a, a, a you know, cover what up. was there a cover up? I know they were told not to speak about it. Mm. They were told. And the reason why was they were getting so much media attention. So I can kind yeah. of understand wasn't necessarily because we need to cover this up right. It's because it, the, the demand on our police department, and we have a very small police department of, you know, five or six or seven guys. And this is becoming a little overbearing. You know, this is, we're dealing with this.
0: That would make perfect sense. They don't want to go out on eight calls a night to investigate Bigfoot reports. That that would make perfect sense. And
3: they don't want to spend four or five hours of their days responding to media inquiries about it. Right. Yeah. uh, When they have other things to do, such as budget and making sure that, you know, uh, the crossing, the crosswalk guard is in place. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, I can recall several times where you know, not not having anything to do with Bigfoot or anything like that, but I just remember you know some meetings where we were like, okay, let's not make a big deal out of this because people you know will run run off with it and it'll blow up, and it's not really that big of a deal, you know. So it wasn't so much you know, don't talk about it, keep it quiet, but it's you know, maybe let's not go posting on Facebook about this because people are going to think that uh, you know th- there's a crime wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah
3: exactly. Yeah. and especially nowadays. I mean, nowadays, you know, social media will blow up something in, in a heartbeat and there's so many different avenues between, you know, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, all, all those places can blow things up. Facebook will blow those things up. Reddit, uh, will blow those things up incredibly. So, and you never know, you know, where, uh, you know, where they're coming from. Um, Uh, Don Fuller asked, do you think any of the current guys on the, probably Whitehall force are seeing them? I don't know. I don't know why I I haven't, I don't have any ends with the, uh, Whitehall police department. So, um, I don't know. Uh, couldn't tell you, uh, if, if they are, they're keeping it quiet to themselves, you know, um, they'll write the book when they retire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, as did uh, you know, Brian did write. Uh, Brian Goslin finally did write a book on that. So if anybody's out and about, check that out. Uh, Brian Goslin with Sue Goslin, his wife, uh, wrote the book about his experience. Yeah, not man. not a very thick book. You can probably read it in a day, maybe two days. Yeah. And uh, I've got and, it on my bookshelf over there somewhere. I, I have it. Yeah, <clears throat> um, and, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I knew the other gentleman, Dan Gordon. Uh, in fact, you hear Brian and Dan on the intro to the show, uh, when you hear that little montage of people talking about what they're seeing, uh, Brian and Dan are both on there um, talking about what they're seeing, And two of those are police officers. And um, uh, and Dan passed away, uh, you know, a few, several years back, unfortunately. But uh, I, I always say this story, and uh, I apologize for repeating it, but I wanted to say it for for. Uh, beans is a uh, benefit, but I, I was there at a meeting one time, and, and really, this is the first time they were sitting together talking about their accounts. And, um, you know, Dan is, you know, Brian talked about his account, and then uh, Dan was talking about his account, how it ran across the road, John. And then when he was done, he looked over at Brian and he goes, And I thought you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which was probably the funniest and uh, really the most remarkable moment I think I ever remembered uh, seeing that. Um, the The only other remarkable event that like I said, wow, uh, that kind of floored me after it happened was on the paranormal side when I was actually in the actual conjuring house. And um, also in the house was Andrea Perone and her father, basically the, the father and one of the daughters that was in the house during that whole, affair and uh it wasn't as hollywooded as you know you know hollywood made it out to be but there was stuff going on at that particular house which was very but but just sitting there standing there and then thinking then when i left taking it all and god i was just in the conjuring house this million dollar film and i was in that place with and it was completely by chance it was i I was at this this convention and one of my good friends uh you know uh actually probably all everybody remembers bill brock he turned around and says hey He goes, I'm really good friends with Corey. He owns the conjuring house. You want to want to come over afterwards, you know, after this is over, come on over, we'll we'll give you the nickel tour. And when I got there, it was, you know, Carl Johnson and Keith Johnson. I've known those guys for years. And there's, there's Andrea Perone with, with her dad sitting in the living room. I was like, wow, it was like, really, this is really cool. Um, you know, believe you know if you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. It's kind of still cool because it's ingrained in history and Hollywood history. And there I am in the middle of it, just like, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, it's completely like 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 this morning I didn't wake up saying, "Oh yeah, tonight I'm going to be doing this," and and there it is happening. So it's kind of cool, you know, things like that. So uh, anybody that's out there listening to the show and you know you get opportunities, you know, you get an opportunity like that you know, grab it because at the end of the day, you remember it as a very fond memory. And that's why uh, I enjoy it. Now, I don't know how big, you know, of a of a, a gang you can collect in Alaska because I know it's such a vast state. It's almost a country unto its own. Um, you know, how many people you can gather up relatively easily to go out and, 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 and do squatching. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's probably a chore.
2: Yeah, my... um closest squatching buddy is about uh, 5 hours away. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
3: but I bet when you go out it, together, it's probably always something to remember and it's oh, always yeah. an enjoyable. Yeah. And that's that's the real fun about this. Uh, no matter how you cut it, you know, you have these people that that are outside the Bigfoot community, and, well, oh, you know I get something to do with your life. I'll tell you what. Squatching is a great life if you don't become over obsessed with it and then, you know you got to remember you got a family you got work you got other stuff to do you got to take care of business um if, if you're getting into it too much and you're spending too much time you need to take a break from it <laughs> um and which I've done and, and Chris knows this too like there there's days you know I'm done with the show tomorrow morning I'll do a few little extra chores like uh maybe midweek I'll do like an I'll, I'll do the translation. But other than that, I don't think about the show to like Thursday or Friday or Saturday. And there's a reason why I need that for my own sanity. I can't be thinking about this 24 um, seven. There's times when you do, you know, and we like, okay, something's going on. You gotta, you gotta put your attention to it, but you know, Hey, you know, I, I enjoy sports. I enjoy football. I enjoy baseball. I, I enjoy playing video games. A lot of people don't know that about me. I'm a gamer. Um, um yeah. Uh there's a lot of interest I have in life. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, uh I'm I'm going hopefully going back to playing with the fire company again, fire department again, because uh what I have here is these are all copies of my training <laughs> As you can see, it's quite a book. So I do have a life outside of Bigfoot. Um, You know, my, my private investigation business, my, my stuff like that. I'm in the process now that COVID's kind of slipping behind us moving forward, but I'll tell you what, and and I think everybody can appreciate that, that going out, squatching with some good friends, even on a bad day where we get nothing going on is better than any other, like any other day of the work week. Because you're out there with friends in nature, you can appreciate nature, something we all appreciate. You can appreciate the camaraderie, the friendship, the food, the fun, the laughter, and, uh, you know, trying to put something out that people enjoy. Um, To me, doing this podcast, and Chris knows this, um, you know, it's not about the money, it's about uh, you know, I'm glad that you know the show is you know, the show right now generates enough revenue to pay for the platform, and that's wonderful. Um, I do this because I like putting, I, I like hearing, talking to people. I mean, I've, I've never met Beans before today, but damn it, I'm going to be talking to him a lot more. Um, <laughs> we, we, I mean, it's kind of, it, it's almost chilling that when I talk to somebody. And they're so in line with my beliefs and stuff like that. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it's really awesome. I, I, get, I, I get to meet somebody like Beans doing a show like this. So I've met a lot of people doing this show. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's got to meet me a little bit and understands me a little bit better now, which is awesome. Hopefully he likes me and doesn't unfriend me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've had to, you know, Chris has unfriended me like five times. <laughs> um
0: but uh by accident maybe
3: <laughs> no chris and i through the show we've become brothers from another mother yeah okay. uh, you know okay and and that's the beauty of this thing chris and i we love each other we're we're brothers you know we're family we're not we're not just friends we're family regardless and, what you might hear yeah <laughs> um and uh, that that's the beauty of this there is good in this and you know i i just want to put that out there because there's so much uh, and I'm sorry to go on the rant beans, uh, the last, you know, cause I, I, I gotta get this in because there are times when I have, you know, I look at all this arguments and bashing one another and stuff like that. And it gets to me and yeah, I've done my fair share of, but I, I try to go after the mm-hmm. hoaxers and the people that it's, put out, you know, pseudoscience.
2: It's high um, school with monsters.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and my, yeah. High school at monsters and camping. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, who has the biggest tent? Uh, (laughs) My campfire is bigger than yours. Um, But, uh, you know, but there is so much good to this. And, uh, you know, people used to rag on, oh, you go to this conference and that conference. And, you know, I go to conferences because I like meeting people. That's the fun thing, hearing their stories. And uh, I'm always humbled by people coming up and the things they say to me. just it's humbling i'm just a guy you know my grandson yesterday uh my oldest grandson you know is becoming of age where he's starting to realize certain things and he's now eight and a half and he's starting to learn things and he goes grandpa you've been on tv yeah (laughs) and uh yes well we'll get to that too uh cindy um grandpa you've been on tv yeah, I have So you're a celebrity <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know in, in, in certain circles I am But not really I'm just me I'm just grandpa I'm just me That That's what you get It's just me So uh, Anyway Let's let's start promoting uh, Beans' book uh, Of course it's on Amazon The link Will be in the description below to the show It's there right now Um and it, it's, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great read. I can't wait to get it. And uh, where can we find you on social
2: media? And if you have a website or anything like that, I have a, a website called a It's a L a S Q U a T C H podcast.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Larry beans, Baxter. You can also find the last watch on uh, Facebook. I've also got a, um, Instagram account under Alaska Watch that I've, start, I've started making Bigfoot memes because I thought we were kind of lacking in uh, the world of memes. So I've started cranking out some memes for the, for the masses there. That's right. My my favorite is the I have a meme that I use that I
3: love about. I love Bigfoot memes. Love them. Love them to death. And my my favorite is every once in a while, I'll drop it, is the uh, picture of King Leonidas of so the Spartans, you know, with his pose and it says, I declare a meme war.
4: <laughs> uh, that's my I
3: dropped that in there, and um, but I I love it, and you know what? If you don't mind, I'm gonna link that on my website as well. Go for it, so, go for it. Yeah, I'd love to promote you because <clears throat> you, You're doing great work out there for a uh, part of the country that gets very little coverage, and uh you know I,
2: yeah, I'm very proud to have you represent that state. Thank you, sir. I am. I, I'm so awestruck to be on here. I was like, man, I, cause I watch your show not occasionally, not all the time, but I try and get it in when I can. And, uh, I appreciate what you do, especially with the hoaxers and, and and calling people out like that. I just, uh, I can't stand that kind of stuff. And, uh, I appreciate what you do with that. Yeah. And, uh, my,
3: my little field team that I have, uh, it's kind of funny. Most of them, and you'd appreciate this. Most of them are either current law enforcement or former law enforcement. They just believe it or not. There's a lot of law enforcement guys that just flock to this because I, I guess we all like investigating stuff.
0: And um, yep, that's it. It's the
3: investigative. It's, it's that investigative bug we have. Like, well,
2: hmm, Steve, I want- when when I retired, I was the investigation sergeant for my department. And if you didn't have the handle Squatch Detective, I would have had it. <laughs> <laughs> I have.
3: I created that handle in 1998. And, uh, very first, uh, very first 1998, I at yahoo.com. That was my email. Um, and then eventually, uh, in 2005, it became squash So it just, those people used to start calling me that. So I, it was just <laughs> something that happened. Um, I wasn't calling myself that originally. So, but anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a real treat to have you on. We got to have if something happens. Please let me know. We got to have you on again. Talk about it. And uh, we'll get we'll get that description for the uh, Alaskan Triangle um, below after the show, because I want to watch it. I'll probably watch it tonight Um, or tomorrow morning. Um, I think our
2: episode is the second one. Um, I can't really speak to the other episodes in the in the series, but I know uh, they did a really good job with basically we told them we took the film crew out to Port Chatham with us. We basically told them, like, look, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to lie. We're not going to hoax anything. You guys can come with us. So what, every time we hear something, or every every time something happens, it really happens. There's not a lot of fakery going on, or anything. Sometimes you have to go back and refilm things because the camera wasn't on. But there's no manufactured crap. Nick just brought Nick just brought up something that
3: uh, Steve. Someone tried to take your domain name once, didn't they? What they tried to take actually was Squatch Detective Radio in some anonymous person did for a while when i i took a like a year off or two years off from the thing and uh i actually contested that uh that takeover and uh proved that hey i i've had this this is my domain it's my show yada 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 and uh guess what the domain registrar gave it back to me so (laughs) yeah Uh, Anyway, yeah, and and if people are wondering what I'm drinking tonight, I am drinking Diet Peach Snapple. Yay! And Beans, if you watch the show, you know exactly what I mean. (laughs) Give me a Snapple! John, give me a Snapple. Uh, So anyway, uh, we'll be back. Uh, Of course, again, thank you a a thousand times over, Beans. It's been a blast talking to you. I've had a great time. Um, And I hope everybody else has had. We had a great crowd tonight, despite there being a Major NFL game tonight that went in overtime, and unfortunately, the Bills lost.
2: So Whose ball again, is the devil?
3: <laughs> um But anyway, uh oh, and there it is. See, people are doing it. They do this every week. Joan, give me a snap. <laughs> you know, he must hate me for that. I, I can just hear oh. I'm sure yeah, that's yeah.
0: not the only reason.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, no, actually, it's not Joanne. It's Joan. But uh, close enough. What uh, is the
2: Sn- you're not you when you're thirsty? Have a have a Snickers or a <laughs> Snapple.
3: <laughs> yeah. And you know the, the funny thing is my 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 favorite Snickers commercial was the one with Betty White. Unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, that was a, a suck thing this week too with the loss of, uh, you know, uh, first it was Louis Anderson and then um, God, I'm, I'm going and meatloaf. Bob Saget, meatloaf, Bob Saget, and Betty White. We've lost. Within like a month.
2: Mm. I, well, I oh. saw an article on the on something the other day that said like the celebrities we lost in 2022. I'm like January's not even over yet.
4: Yeah, and they've yeah, got
2: enough know. to have an article about it. Yeah. I hate that. Well, well anyway, folks, uh, we will
3: be back here yeah. next Sunday night. Chris, do your thing.
0: Well, I just want to thank uh, Mr. Larry Beans Baxter for being on with us and sharing his insight on the Alaskan Bigfoot, The Alaskan Killer Bigfoot. <laughs> um, dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, uh, I really appreciate it. It was an honor having you on, Larry. Thank you. And I, I want to thank everybody over in the chat. All the all the listeners, everybody, all the podcast listeners, and you know, our wonderful chat room. I can't say enough about you guys. Uh you make the show. We really appreciate having you, and it's an honor being here for you. Amen. Uh, if it's the first time watching us on YouTube, consider giving us a like and a subscribe. Share. Sharing is caring. It helps us get found in the search algorithm, and uh, helps other people find us. So, that's, that's right. It. And if you want to see more shows like
3: this, just give us a comment below telling us you love the show. And uh, don't do it tonight. Do it till after the show's been posted. And, yeah. Uh, that way it'll help with the algorithm too.
0: So you folks. Put uh, on there, Chris is bald. You know, it doesn't matter. Just <laughs> leave something.
3: <yeah. laughs> we look like Chris and I look like a couple of bowling balls. We 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 put our heads together It sounds like a bowling alley Uh, (laughs) But anyway uh, Again everybody we want to wish everybody A happy and safe healthy week God please people keep warm Horrible weather Anyway (laughs) um, Again uh, We'll be back here next Sunday night 9pm Eastern SquatchDTV.com That's the link to the uh, YouTube channel now. SquatchDTV.com And uh, we will be all here next week, uh, full force. And uh, folks, be safe, keep healthy, God bless, and we'll catch you all here next week. Good
2: night. Thank you.